Hello and welcome to episode 65 of the Freo Big Footy podcast. This week we'll be having a look back at the close tussle against Richmond at the MCG, have a look over the Peel versus Swan Districts game from last week, and then the upcoming clash against the GWS Giants. Joining us this week is our usual resident Victorian expert, Sapo. How are you, mate? Oh, good evening and uh, very good to be back here for another week of footy. Yeah, a bit of technical difficulty last week and we unfortunately didn't get able to get the pod going, but this week we're back. And uh, close game, Seppo, with Fremantle just prevailing in the end, 12 goals, 10-82 to 10 goals, 18-78, and a close four-point victory for Frio. Obviously, you saw it close hand, mate. What were your thoughts? Yeah, it was a, a fantastic game. I think it was all capped off with that match-winning goal from Monday at the end there and, and a game where we didn't really lead by much in the, the whole game time. I mean, we... Uh, just probably had our noses in front just before halftime and then Tabner kicked a, a crucial one at some stage right through there. But it was just amazing to see that, you know, Richmond only really got out to about a 15-point lead. So we were never really too far away from the whole game, but we uh, obviously they sort of stuffed up a bit and kicked 10 goals 18 in the end. But uh, at least, um, you know, from that final moment when I think Tommy had that chance and then... Monday topped it off with a, I suppose, seven-point play, as he'd call it, which is the, a point, and then the uh, the goal to seal it was, um, yeah, great signs. And, you know, I suppose it's been mentioned in the past when, you know, your, your good teams will, will find a way to win, even though they uh, obviously the execution wasn't that good, but the guys put in a good effort. And I think someone mentioned on the board that it was um, very inspirational from Pav and played a good captain's game out there. Yeah, for sure he did. And... The first half was pretty abysmal. Let's, um, Seb, I don't know what you thought of the like the skills and the kicking and the ball use, which has been a bugbear for obviously a little while now. It certainly didn't seem to improve, but I think McClure probably, um, Mark McClure probably said it best at AFL 360. If you leave, um, if you give Fremantle a chance and, they, and you don't kill them off, then they're always a fair chance to come back and get over the top, and that's what they did um, on the weekend. Monday was clearly best on ground for me during the weekend. Any other players, I mean, stand out for you? I thought Sheridan was probably took a step forward. I know he missed that last shot for goal, and thankfully for his sake, probably, that it, uh, Monday did sort of manage to get the winning shot, but I thought he was a bit of a standout. Anyone else stand out? And Pav, as you mentioned earlier, kicking three goals on Rance, who's arguably been the best sort of centre-half back all year. Any other standouts for you? It was interesting, the, the battle between even Fife and Koch, and I thought they sort of cancelled each other out, and even probably had a standout game, will probably feature in the uh, Brownlow votes. But I thought Barlow is start, starting to get back to his best. I don't know if it's the position he's playing or just the way he's taking the game on or sort of getting involved a bit more. I know he's not in every single centre bounce, but seemed to get his hands on the ball, be it you know, playing just a bit behind the ball or drifting from half forward. He seems to be working into it a bit more, and I suppose that weather and... A game that was a bit scrappy with skill. He still toiled hard, and I suppose he's one where you expect big effort. And he sort of quietly went about getting his 26 touches and got a goal as well. But just going back on Sheridan, I know he kicked a, a fantastic goal there early in the game. It was one of those running right through the middle and something that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago of what Sutcliffe was doing and what probably Sheridan's taken over doing that role. And you, you kind of didn't didn't notice that guys like Duffield aren't actually out there when you've got Sheridan stepping up to the plate and becoming that really good half half back and had a couple of touches yet really stood out for the things he did and took the game on but one bit that probably didn't get mentioned enough was uh, Alex Pierce's game he only got nine touches but there was some passages play again when he just took the ball and 
and took off and didn't look for that bomb on the boot or handball off to the side that many of our other key position defenders do. He sort of did that Johnson role and looked to really drive it off half back and, and moves quite well. And we got a good side of it again and it's looking fantastic down back. Yeah, I think there would have been a bit of a meltdown on the board if uh, with the changes if they hadn't uh, Pierce went out this week after having a couple of guys come back. And he certainly looks a player for the future. It was good to see Crozier kick a couple of goals too, Seppo, including a crucial one in that last quarter where to show a bit of composure where a lot of guys were missing and slotted one from a pretty difficult angle and probably 40 metres out. And he needs to make those sort of every post a winner for it if he wants to uh, cement his spot in the 22 come the end of the year. Yeah, he's only kicked, uh, what, five goals from his six games so far this year, Crozier, but he's a, he's a dead-eyed dick and he's got a beautiful kick of the footy. And I suppose earlier in the game, I think Maine probably had two chances early on, but a lot of the guys at the club, you hear them say, you know, if you had anyone to take a set shot to win the game after the size and it'd be someone like Maine, but he's missed a couple now. But there's guys like Crozier, you just feel he doesn't have much of an opportunity, but when he takes a mark and even if it's 50 out, you'd expect him to kick it now these days and he's and he's showing that you know even with Ballantyne out there we've got no one that doesn't exactly play the same way but it's a, a smallish forward you know at 185 he still sort of goes in hard and he's good for a goal so I like uh, Hayden Crozier sort of stepping up to the plate and kicking that late one that really got us back into it. I must admit I was quite surprised to um, that Cochin wasn't maybe even looked at Sepo as well with that sort of you know where he sort of went to sort of nearly took out Fife's knee just on the mm. boundary line there, it was, looked really dangerous and I was quite surprised that there didn't seem to be any further looking at. You know, it could have quite easily done a sort of PCL injury with that sort of a attempt at the ball. And uh, but thankfully, you know, it wasn't too bad in the end. But could have you could obviously really see there was a, a job on Fife that Cochin had to do and he sort of sacrificed his own brilliant game because... He still got a bit of it, but you think Fife probably had him on his heels for most of that first half, and there was some close checking on him. And I was getting a bit worried there, especially with that that hit and some others. And I think there's even a photo that one of the uh, the AFL cameraman caught with uh, Cotchin pulling at Fife's hair, and <laughs> everyone wants everyone wants a piece of him, but he still managed to work through. And even though you know Fife's rested this week, it's it's great to see that he actually got through the game and. Didn't have his you know, stellar form, but he was a big reason why we actually were still in it right the way through the game. Yeah, I mean, a lot of, there's been a lot of talk about Richmond losing the game this week, and there's probably no question when you're scoring 28 scoring shots to 22. And considering some of the, you know, having six posters, that's probably a pretty fair and accurate statement. But at the end of the day, it was still a, most people think that Richmond are a chance to be that top four, and to beat them away at the MCG is still a pretty good effort overall. And... You know, we would have lost top spot this week if we didn't get the points. So it's definitely uh, gives us that chance of maintaining that top two spot, which is crucial come the end of the season, I think. For us to be any chance, based on our form so far, Seppo, we definitely need to uh, keep in the top two to be any chance of making the GF, I have to think. Yeah, and I suppose even just for the fans, I suppose the club doesn't really care, but it's great to get one up on Richmond, even though we uh, you know lost that home game against them. I think we've levelled it up, even though it wasn't in the same fashion, but it's great to just get the four points and... And know that we didn't lose to Richmond twice in one year because I know there's a lot of people over in Melbourne Freo supporters that probably couldn't handle it. It's one of the most hated teams over here for a lot of Freo supporters, so glad we could get up on the Tigers. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if they take any confidence from that win last week. We sort of keep saying it every week, though, Seppo, don't we? We sort of say, well, hopefully they'll take confidence, they'll turn the corner this week, and they sort of show glimpses for a bit, but they just haven't been able to put together a four-quarter 
or even a three-quarter performance effort really uh, since then. So we'll see this week against GWS. Any other points you want to bring up, mate, before we uh, move on from this one? Well, I suppose it's um, it was a game that you know the rain sort of held away, and I think only during probably about half time. I think there was a bit of rain, so very swirly at one end. I think um, some of the end that uh, I think it was on the Frio Cheer Squad end of the uh, city side of the ground, there was uh, a lot of shots of goal that sort of missed, and I can't remember if that was the end that Cotchin missed his. That um, yeah, it was a bit of a swirly breeze down one end, so that might explain the inaccuracy of the kicking from both sides. That one end of the ground, but it's just good for the guys to obviously get that experience because considering we've only got that two home game or two games in the home and away season planned at the MCG, obviously that Melbourne one we had earlier in the year and then this one out of the way. And, you know, if you finish top two, we get two home finals and it's going to be a long time in between taking another trip to the uh, MCG game possibly. So it was great that we, at least we got the uh, result twice there this year. Yeah, it's probably unusual as well for Malt. Guys like Walters not to even get a shot on goal as well, Seppo. So it was good to see that uh, some of our midfielders were getting a little bit more, a few more shots, like Barlow kicked 1-1, Fife had a shot, Mundy scored, Hill scored a goal as well, I think. Tommy Sheridan scored one from halfback. And then uh, and Daniel Pearce had a couple of shots but and a couple of shockers in there as well. But, I mean, at least it looks like our midfielders were getting shots for goal, which was pleasing. And I think just having that bit more spread will make us more dangerous considering we kicked 82 points on the day and really we didn't get anything from our best forward in, uh, or our, nearly our best forward in Walters and having mm. also uh, Valentine out. All right, we'll move on from there. And on Sunday, Seppo, we saw Peel Thunder continue their winning way, 17 goals, 19, 111 to 15 goals, 10, 100 in a topsy-turvy game where Peel came out of the gates pretty well and pushed out to a six-goal lead before Swans came back in the third quarter and then pushed out to a three-goal lead in the start of the last quarter before Peel pushed back in and then eventually got the points. And uh, your man Brody Gray had a big first quarter, Seppo, with nearly 15, I think 15 touches in the first quarter. Yeah, he done quite well and, and got a bit of it, but it's great to see some, some of the... Um... The mix of youngsters and, and old guys that are there, obviously we've got a, a lot of the senior guys now sort of almost been forced back to Peel with um, you know, Mazungu and Duffield and Dawson playing on his uh, game back, although he probably didn't have too much of an impact. But, um, yeah, it's just great to see some of those guys and even just hearing the ports. I didn't get to watch the match over here. They don't forecast um, or te- telecast the, the game into Melbourne. Um, but obviously a lot of people, I think it was a seven-mate game over there for the guys in WA. It was a probably a good chance to see some of the younger guys like Weller and Langdon and Blakely and the guys have been putting in pretty good efforts. And, um, yeah, it's just great to see that they got the win in the end and great to see that even young Hurley's continuing on his good form. And I think he managed to kick another one and probably drifted out towards the end of the game. But at least he's um, involving himself and, and learning the craft. Yeah, he, was, he kicked a goal early and then sort of disappeared. I don't know if he got a knock or a bit of an injury because he never. I don't think he came back on after that sort of time. So he ended up being a little bit uh, bit quiet. Clark took a couple of good marks up forward and kicked two goals, one, and was quite dominant around the ground. Um, although, to be honest, uh, Swan Districts really don't have much of a ruckman there. So to be fair, he wasn't really playing against any sort of really quality ruckman. Um, but I thought probably out of our three young guys, Langdon's probably been the best two out of the last, or probably been our best player out of the three the last couple of weeks, but I thought Blakely was probably the standout on the weekend, Seppo, and he's working close. I thought in particular in that last quarter brought us back into the game, so 
Uh, and we'll get to the ins and outs shortly, but you'd have to think based on that performance, and if anyone was going to get a chance to debut this week, it would be Blakely based on that performance. Mm. But it depends what the club's looking for, whether they want to go like for like, or they might try and use Langdon a bit more and give a bit of drive out of that half-back line. It's interesting even just the form line with those guys. I know early on days everyone was talking about uh, Blakely, how the first probably four games for Peel, he racked up big numbers, and then everyone shifted their focus to... Uh, young Lockie Weller and, and started hit to lift and Paul Langdon I think done a bit of an injury or hamstring sort of mid halfway through and and since he's come back he seems to be the uh, the pick of the bunch so all three have probably had stages where they've been uh, you know touted as a call up on a, on a debut but you know it's uh, it's good to see that all three of our our early picks in that draft from last year are all you know, well ahead of the um, probably development that we've seen from a lot of the other guys. Yeah. Right the way through the last couple of drafts. I mean, Langdon probably arguably kicked the... Well, it certainly was the goal of the day, but might have even, you know, be up there in the goal of the year. He took a five bounces. Probably, probably not as good as the one Weller did, actually, earlier in the year, but took five bounces and then a banana kick from about 20 metres out and kicked a uh, cracking goal there, Seppo. But He's so wearing many... the magic number, number 26. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> and there was, uh, there was plenty of... Uh, and there was some really good performances as well appeal from their non free listed players as well, with Eugle kicking five. Usman once again showed a little bit down back, and he could uh, step forward. And, and uh, Duffield probably came better as the game went on. He was, I thought, he was pretty ordinary early, Steppo, and uh, it just looked like he was a step, you know, lost that step of, you know, half a yard of pace, or uh, it's half a yard or half a step, whatever you want to call it, but just didn't look right into it, and uh, did get better as it when he went up the ground a bit later on in the game. Zungu had a reasonable game, but made a couple of shocking errors coming out of the out of defence. I, mean, I think there was one turnover, and I think him and Duffield had probably the worst. Uh, you know, they sort of kicked to each other, and they were both equally as bad. But you know, it'd be interesting to see who they uh, whether Mzungu gets a game this week when we get into the ins and outs. So, yeah. but looks like Peel might uh, make, or certainly in the mix to make finals for the first time in their history. So. All, uh, all things looking up for Frio in that regard. So a number of times in the past we've had players, uh, you know, particularly when we, if we go deep into finals, where if Peel don't make finals, they don't get a game, and it's very, very difficult for those guys to come in. So if Peel actually continue to play finals, Seppo, I think it's going to be only help us down the track as well by being able to have those guys continually playing football. Yeah, it's fantastic. And even to hear that um, there's rules that allow Crowley to come back and, and play with Peel if you know if he's not selected with the uh, the seniors in our final series. I don't know how the uh, uh, fixture overlaps, but there's a chance that Crowley might be able to even participate with Peel towards the end of um, the time when his suspension's up. And obviously the uh, eligibility of the uh, free line players means that he can still play for them even though he hasn't played all year. That will be an interesting decision whether they do give him a game, and you'd have to think they probably would. Uh, you know, if he's in there, and you know, it's particular. I mean, I can't see him playing in the AFL this yeah. season, but you know, stranger things have happened, so we'll see what happens from there. Mm. All right, this week, uh, Seppo, plenty of ins and outs in for Fremantle, probably the most we've had all season, in fact. Yeah. So if you want to go through the ins and outs for us. Yeah, well, we're, we're looking at the Sunday game here, so we've only got the squad at this stage. But in, in terms of uh, outs for Frio, we've got uh, Fife with his groin, not just his um, knock from Sam Mitchell, but I suppose that's contributing to the factor. Got Clancy Pierce out as well, admitted, and uh, Tabin is uh, an odd exclusion, but obviously one thing they're looking at, and we're 
bringing into the side, um, obviously the uh, bench at the moment is the extended bench. It's got Dawson, Mzungu, Clark, and then the three young kids, Langdon, Blakely, and Weller, all into that side. And it's just interesting, obviously, how they name it um, leads to, obviously, the uh, final decision. But obviously, the four listed first on the interchanger, Subin, Dawson, Clark, and Weller, with Mzungu right at the very end of that list um, after... Ed and Connor as well. So it's quite interesting to see how they've named it there and uh, that usually leads it to the uh, final squad decision um, made tomorrow. And for GWS, they've got a couple injury concerns as well with young Nick Haynes, their uh, good key position player, out with the groin with uh, uh, Devin Smith out as well and uh, Williams with a hamstring. So they've got their own sort of uh, small injury concerns and they bring into the side... Phil Davis, Hoskin Elliott, Bunting, Phillips, Wilson, and Stewart as well. So they're obviously squad's got to be finalised, but it's um, yeah, it's a, I think Haynes is probably one of their best players out of that list of the outs there. So it's a real shame for them to lose someone like that. Yeah, Haynes and Smith are definitely going to be outs, and it was a bit of a surprise as well. Sepo, after last week seeing Cameron McCarthy not getting a game again for GWS, you would have thought maybe, especially uh, you know, it being a home game. You know, for him being back in WA, they would have got a chance, but he must have fallen out of favour a bit there. Mustn't be working too hard defensively, or I don't. I haven't seen a lot of GWS this year, to be honest. So, oh, Cam a... probably had really good games earlier on the season. Mm. He's probably just dropped off a bit recently. I don't know if it's injury related at all, but um, certainly they've got a, a lot of other strengths. And even just looking over the field at some of their names, they've got in their forward line with. Um, Lamb and, and Loeb and um, Cameron out there. So there's big big players for them that, that can perform a role. So they're not missing out with uh, McCarthy out, but he is a talented player. So um, they're probably not coming off over there with their full strength side at the moment. What do you think of the decision to rest Taberna this week? Well, to admit him rather than rest him. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think we're probably looking at a bit more to say that, you know, with the combination of Pav, Griffin and and Sandlands that we've probably got enough height as it is. I haven't actually had a look at the weather forecast this weekend in uh, Perth on the Sunday, but you just wonder maybe they've just sent him back there to get a, more of a touch, and I know they've subbed him out almost every single game he plays now for us and the seniors, so it's a, it's a bit hard of him to get a full crack at it. So maybe they've, they, they've sent him back to um, work on a couple of things, and, and maybe we'll see him dominate for Peel and come back into the side when things suit, but... Maybe Clark's done his right things and, and they're thinking they could probably get a combination of Clark, Sandy and Griffin, which I think's only ever happened once in our history of all three players on our list. So it will be interesting to see if Clark makes the final cut, but it is very odd that we've got both Sandy, Griffin and Clark all named in the side at this stage. Obviously, one might make way, but it's, um, yeah, I suppose with, with those three names in there, it's just hard to include Tabiner into the mix as well. Yeah. I th- you have to look at it one or two ways. Obviously, Ross Lyon and the match committee know what Tabiner brings to the table. And as you said, he does get subbed out every week. So it'll be interesting to see whether they, they're trying to look at a different combination to see whether there's another forward set up or someone else out of those three that can play the role. It may also be interesting to see if they rest Sandlands and or McFarlane this week as well, Seppo, with the way they have listed it with Dawson in the side and obviously Clark, do you think there may also be a chance that either Sandlands or McFarlane may get rested this game as well as a mm. late change and they may go with Clark and Griffin in there and give Sandy a rest or 
you know, bring Dawson in and then Dawson can work with uh, Alex Pierce and give McFarlane a rest. I don't think they'd be crazy enough to do two, both Sandlands and McFarlane out. And I suppose that'd be a bit more obvious if it was time for a rest. It'd be quite interesting that we've done three for the moment with Pierce, Clancy and uh, Fife out, that they go one more on top of that. And, and maybe a late change and they give every chance. I don't know how many players out there are carrying some type of you know sickness or knock or something that warrants them coming out. But it, it will be interesting even just having a look at what I mentioned before without Cam McCarthy out there, that uh, Rory Lobb's a, a big unit, and you've got Jeremy Cameron out there. Whether if you rest McFarlane, you're asking a lot on Alex Pierce and, and Zach Dawson back for one game to take those two. So it's a bit of a stretch. Um, I don't know Ibbotson likes to play tall and can probably mind one of those guys out there, as, as well as Phillips will probably be uh, playing out there maybe in their final squad for GWS. But, it's um yeah, it's probably hard to see both Sandy and McFarlane coming out. So I don't know if they'll look at maybe another away game against the Saints or something that they might take in Sandy out. Maybe it is McFarlane this week um, when you consider the, the forwards they've got to play on. So it will be interesting to see which way they go. But I'd be happy whether they didn't um, and maybe get to one of those last games. I know we've got Melbourne and uh, St Kilda still to come. Melbourne at home and St Kilda away, but certainly want to get the guys right for the West Coast, which is going to be big in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, it certainly will be. It's, uh, looking at the list, as you said, Seppo, with Bazunga at the bottom there, the bottom sort of guys through experience tend not to get picked the way they list them in the in the in sort of running sheet there. So it'll be interesting to see which way they go with it, whether they go for the tried and tested. Mazungu said whether they know what they are going to get or whether they do give one or two of those young blokes a opportunity to play. It looks like DeBoer's been named in the side uh, in the starting 18 at this stage. So be, you'd have to think that if one of those guys do come in, whether it's Langdon, Weller or Blakely, they'll probably start as a sub, you'd have to think. Yeah, I think out of those, I know Weller travelled with the, the team and warmed up, even though Dawson and Clark sort of came across. We were through three emergencies last week. Um, all of them made it back to obviously play for Peel, but it was uh, well of the one that actually got out with the side and, and had a kick before the game. So he's probably the closest out of uh, Langdon and, and Blakely to actually sort of get out there. And he's probably had a more consistent run of form, obviously without the injury that Langdon's had. So as they're named, I'd be actually quite happy whether they went down that path. But it is quite interesting whether they do, because if it is... Uh, Dawson and Clark in, we're probably going to set up really tall in all areas in terms of Alex Pierce, McFarlane and Dawson, three tall backmen, and then the three tall sort of forward slash ruckman with Griffin, Sandy and Clark. So maybe they might obviously make a further change and drop a tall out of that list. So maybe it might be two debutants or, or they might go a combination of Mzungu and obviously leave the subs vest for Weller, Langdon or Blakely, but it would be quite interesting to see how they go. And like you mentioned before about the experimentation of uh, um, forward combination, it it will be interesting to see because I think we've tried, obviously, Sandy Clark a lot this year. We've had the uh, Griffin and Sandy for a week or two now, but it'll be interesting to see if they mix it up and say, all right, Griffin and Clark, it's, it's your turn to go together and see what type of a forward ruck combo we can get out of those two. Yeah, I think Weller would be a different sort of look for us as well, Seppo. 
Blakely, although he, uh, I mean, I'm a quite a big, I'm a huge fan of him actually, and I think he will certainly um, get his opportunity. For me, he's more of a like for like. I think if they rested Monday one game, Blakely would be the op- the obvious yeah. guy to come in for him because they do tend to play a little bit similar. Where Weller does offer a little bit something different. He's a bit quicker. He's a bit. Uh, he isn't quite uh, as big in the body or anything like that. But he just offers a little bit more pace throughout. You know, breaking from those stoppages. So it'd be interesting to see if he does if he does get the uh, call up this week. And now you know you'd think if they were going to give Monday a rest somewhere else down the track, then Blakely would be that sort of player who would come in more like for like, rather than sort of Blakely. Because I think Blakely would add. I think it would be just too too very too much the same with. Mm. I know that uh, Fife is sort of a big midfielder as well, but he does have that little bit more burst of pace than what probably Mundy and Barlow do. Where yeah. I think, although Blakely does have reasonably good pace off the mark, and his agility is very strong, I just don't, I just think it'd probably be too similar. Where I think Wallow just would give us a little bit something different in mm. that midfield mix. It is, and when you look at that midfield combination at the moment, as it's written, you got Sandlands with. Mundy and Neil there at his feet, and obviously Barlow listed in that centre position as well. So it's a, an interesting mix without, obviously, our usual five combination in there, but it's it's going to be interesting just to see how they go without him dominating like the way he has. And I, I think a lot of pressure's going to go on Mundy, and Neil got to have big games because they uh, both of them. I know Mundy had a really big game last week, but Neil's probably dropped off a bit from his early season form as well. So maybe that's the time for Neil to step up and start to have that really good uh, midfield domination that he had early on. Yeah, uh, Neil only had 16 touches last week and certainly probably not as dominant, as, as you said, compared to when he was, like, particularly in the Derby game and those sort of early season forms. So he'll certainly be looking to bounce back and we'll probably, a couple of other guys will be looking to hold their, you know, Subin and DeBoer in particular who sort of get brought up every week, Seppo. But, you know, they always seem to be in the team sheets each week as well. They're obviously doing a job that Ross Lyon and the match committee wants to do and, and whether that's, you know, playing that defensive mid or, uh, you know, just blicking off the ball, leaving space or blocking and that sort of stuff that uh, some of our other players do. We can't have every player getting sort of 30 touches on, though. But uh, Hawthorne have certainly shown that they're able to do it, but they're certainly a class above most sides in the way that they're able to move the ball and rotate through the middle and that sort of side. Mm. I suppose when you look at the um, the midfield, we've got our uh, a task set out with um, obviously Trelaw, Ward, Whitfield, Canelio, and even Young Steele that they've got playing quite well now is uh, a decent midfield combination. But a lot of the fact that Matt DeBoer is there to take on someone like Heath Shaw if he's going to want to run off half back and get DeBoer in their face and, and do that fantastic job um, he can do on those um, players that tend to Stream out from the half-back line. I think DeBoer's capable of, of doing a nice shutdown role and still being quite damaging himself. I know he hasn't probably kicked too many goals this year, but he's just sort of handy to have around and throw his weight around. And, and when you picture someone like Heath Shaw and what he's capable of, you almost need to toughen up someone like Subin or DeBoer to really go against him. And with Clancy Pierce out of the side, it's it's probably wants someone like Subin or DeBoer in here to provide a bit of toughness, especially when we're potentially looking at some other young kids out there and and you know, Sutcliffe and Sheridan don't tend to throw their weight around as much as what someone like DeBoer can. So it's, it's a good job for him. Yeah, he just probably the main thing he probably needs to work on, Sepo, as you talked about before, was you know probably being a little bit more damaging and trying to you know get the ball and probably give away a few less free kicks as well. He tends to have, be quite regularly on the wrong side of the ledger, and and more often than not, it's just 
more head-high tackles than anything else. So just by dropping his tackle a little bit more, he can certainly be a lot more effective. And we, you know, because he does all the right things, gets to the right places, and he just gives away a silly free kick and undoes the good work that he has done. So, and it'll be a interesting game for Fremantle this week in terms that all the other games will be completed by then. So they'll certainly have a bit of an idea about where they stand in the grand scheme of things. But the loss of Smith and Haynes, and Haynes in particular, I think will be a big loss for them. So interesting to see how the likes of Tomlinson and Patful and Core go in that defensive uh, 50. GWS, for whatever reason, Seppo, seem to struggle when they travel across the country, that's for sure. Yeah, I suppose just looking at their last five games, the five losses of margins of you know almost 100 points on average with 95, 113, 111, 76 and 87. And obviously, uh, West Coast, obviously, on the uh, um, dealing end of a couple of those. I think we've had a very good winning margin against um, GWS. And even just looking back on over the stats of all the other sides that hasn't lost to an expansion team. I think you've got Frio, West Coast, Adelaide, and potentially I think Essendon as well. I don't know if it's still that, but there's only a handful of teams now that haven't lost to GWS or Gold Coast. So let's just hope that we can uh, maintain that tradition and, <laughs> and uh, get another win. Yeah, well, I think we've only played them three times in their existence as well. So it doesn't happen very often. And always home. We've never played them away yet. I'm looking forward to actually uh, getting out and seeing GWS in a away game up here, be at Canberra or their spotless stadium. But, yeah, it's um, yeah, th- three home games and, and three B results. And I think Pav's even kicked a, kicked a bag on multiple times against this side. So hopefully he can continue his recent run of um, bags of goals and games. And, and probably Walters is probably someone that needs to start hitting the scoreboard again because he was a bit quiet last week and... Kicked many before, but it's it's time to get our attack right back up there because it's we get the results at the moment, but I think we just need to have more of a, a spread and get everyone up on the scoreboard, not just our uh, occasional midfielders or one person relying on kicking a bag. It'd be certainly nice to match our highest score against GWS, which I think was 2013 when we scored 157 points. So mm. <laughs> anything over 100 would be fantastic, uh, or even probably 120. So what's your uh, what's your tip for this game, Seppo? Um, I'm going to say a nice 10 goal straight, 60 points. Um, I know it'd be nice to get more, but I think um, just with Fife out and, and Ballantyne, we're probably missing a bit of a midfield grunt and forward firepower. So we're expecting a win, but I think it's going to be around a 60 point mark. So I'll be happy with that on the weekend or anything more. I tend to agree. I think it'll be around about that same 10 to 11 goal mark. Fremantle can't really do anything now in terms of percentage with West Coast and Hawthorne significantly ahead of them in the percentage. On the ladder, there's no way we'll be able to certainly catch those two sides, and we're pretty much ahead of everyone else on the ladder as well. So uh, in terms of the side, we just have to keep winning. That's really all it comes down to at the end of the day. And if we can do that, we'll uh, maintain the spot where we are on the ladder, which is the most important thing. Any other news you want to bring up this week, Seppo, before we finish up? No, other than the fact that I'm uh, looking forward to um, hopefully, hopefully, Gold Coast getting an upset against the Eagles because it'll be great to get that uh, um, clearance on the top of the ladder. And they're only one game behind now, so there's no room for error. And you just wouldn't want to win our local town rivals getting uh, one up on us. So let's just hope that uh, Gold Coast can do some damage even without Gary Ablett and um, get a big result. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, Seppo, where it all ends up. There's no doubt, I think, at some point, if all goes to form that... We will be playing West Coast at some point in the in the final series, uh, whether 
because you have to think at the moment West Coast or Hawthorne will finish second or third. Mm. So where the West Coast has that away game first and then we, uh, you know, hopefully we win the first one and then we, you know, probably have to meet them in the prelim by, the, you know, if the way the normal thing, size, sort of sides go. So it would be better for us to, you know, for West Coast to play Hawthorne away and then they have a home game regardless of against whether it be Richmond, Western Bulldogs, Adelaide or whoever it might be. So but you have to think at some point we would... Uh, it's going to be the first derby final. You'd, you'd have to think unless, you know, something dramatic happens or it'll be the first time in... Uh, so it'll certainly be a pretty uh, cracking game. Even the, even the derby in round 20, I think, will be a huge game as well. Mm. Looking forward right. to it. Anything else you want to bring up on the board this week before we finish up, mate? No, that's it. All right. And... Uh, Reminder to all our uh, listeners that you can download this from iTunes or on the site. We also have SoundCloud and on the site. Uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll hopefully celebrate a terrific Fremantle win this week and get back on the winner's circle with a really strong performance and kicking 20 plus goals would be nice. And be nice to also, it looks like it's going to be mostly sunny, Seppo, so we might get a nice, you know, dry game, which would be a change for us. We haven't had one at home for in the dry for a while. Yep. for the whole four quarters, so let's hope that happens and we will catch you all again next week. Bye for now. Hello and